Why did I feel like it was power? Okay. All right, well, anyway, let me just get to the joke real quick again. This could be... I could spin this as my farewell message. And, and in that, there's all sorts of freedoms. Right? My, my family's going through a, uh, a cancer health crisis, as many of you have, have heard and prayed for and supported. Uh, just on behalf of, of Angie and Wayne, I mean, this, they're not that Calvary. They haven't been here that long. A lot of it was COVID and, and things got weird. But the support, the outpouring for them has been incredible. It's just incredible. So thank you guys so much for loving them. Um, and, and they're in a good spot. They're feeling cared for. But, you know, farewell messages. There's, there's some freedoms that, that could be taken. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back and give my partial farewell because I'm still part-time at the church. Although part-time at the church is really difficult. It, it, it feels like you're not anywhere. It feels like I'm not really in the meat shop, even though I'm there five hours a day. And it feels like I'm not really at church, even though I'm there four hours a day. It, it, it's, it's, it's like this weird no man's land. And so, um, if this message is a little bit, I don't know, different, then it's because... I don't know if I'm coming or going. And, and I'm kind of doing both. And, and I signed up for that. And God has given me the green light in that. And so this is where we are. And, and I'm looking forward to um, just going through some key scriptures with you on my great adventure. And I'm going to use the term my great adventure because, because really it's our great adventure. Because the adventure that I am taking for myself is 98% of our adventure as well. There is very few people who work in the church, who get paid by the church, who come 9 to 5 in the church, or whatever it is. I mean, your phone will tell you it's, it's probably a lot more than that, but, but there's very few people paid by the church. If, if you're paid by the church, can you raise your hand? All right. So this is our message. This is our message. This is our adventure. So I hope you find yourself in this. I'm going to speak, be speaking mostly for myself, but I, I hope you find yourself in this. This is meant to encourage us. While I give you a bit of an explanation as to why I feel so compelled to leave the church a wonderful position and go out into the world to get up really early to work with stinking meat, right, to... It's wonderful. I, I can't even say it's hard. But, um, but this is where we're at. And it's really, really wonderful. I'm never going to be able to read that on there. So I'm going to go right from the passage. And all I want to do today is give us five key scriptures that are dear to my heart. That gave me enough gumption to change everything. I thought Rob was going to allude to it more than he did. But I, I think he would have been... Maybe taken advantage of my situation. But the truth is that my sabbatical didn't cause me to leave the church. It was my heart condition. It was my heart attack. My heart attack happened three months before the sabbatical. And the sabbatical was very much rooted in the heart attack. 
But it was having a major health crisis where I was shaken to the core. Where I kneeled in front of the Lord and I laid everything in front of him. And I said, you just tell me what to pick up. Because I was just so broken. And it was in that, it was in the sabbatical that he started to give me this idea back that I had tried and tried for five or six years to put away. That I was going to go back into the market. And when my health failed, I realized I got to start going for some things here. I got to start doing what's really inside. And I wasn't faking. I wasn't pretending to be a pastor. Although there is a lot of hard stuff that comes with that. And all of us will know that we don't always feel like a pastor. I wasn't faking my position. But there was this heart cry that wasn't being satisfied. It was being repressed. Because God needed to give me the green light in order to do it. And that was this year. And it doesn't matter what our heart cries. It matters that we go out and we go for it. No matter the cost. No matter what we have to give up. If God has put this thing in you. You got to do it. You, you got to do it. Young people, you got to do it. If it doesn't pay the bills, you got to do it. If your parents don't quite understand, you got to do it. Okay. We're going to get off topic really quick. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll be at, at young adults this week. But First John, my first passage. This is this is this is everything. This is why we do everything, and this is how we do everything. This is the how we do everything in life. Can you see it? Okay. Yeah, I think you can see it. Okay. This is how we do everything. This is John. At the beginning of his epistle, 1 John, he's explaining to his readers why he's telling them anything. And it goes like this. That which we have from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it. And proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John was explaining why you, you should listen to him at all. He's saying everything that comes after this is rooted in my personal knowledge and experience of Christ. I saw him. I smelt him. I felt him. I was tired with him. I was excited with him. I was bored with him. I was hungry with him. It was a personal experience. This is why and how we can do anything of, of use. This is the only reason why I can leave the church and say, I'm no less of a pastor than I was when I was full time. Because I'm coming to bring it. 
I'm coming to bring the experience. Not just the knowledge. Our blessed young adults, they, they almost brought me to tears our first time together in young adults. This is a plug for young adults. Uh, we had about 10 and, and, and they're probably the best young Christians I've ever seen. So if, if, if you want to change my opinion on that, you need to come Thursdays at 7 o'clock. You need to come. Listen to some of the questions. I said, what do you guys want to study this year? They said, how can I take my faith and make it attractive to the world around me? How can I take my faith that is so selfless... And make it attractive and glorious to a selfish community. These are 19 year olds saying this. It's crazy. Like it, all, they, all they care about. Is bringing this book to life. Everywhere they are. It was amazing. Taylor was it amazing? It was amazing. It was amazing. Here's the answer. Because I said to them, boy, these are really good questions. I don't know if I have an answer for this. Here's the answer in point one. If you want your life to count. If you want your life to be different than the world around you. If you want to have a hope of giving anything of use to your coworkers and your friends and your unsaved family, it has to start with a personal, intimate, deep, satisfying, glorious, intimate relationship with God. You have to know Him. You have to be like John saying, I just want to give you first-hand knowledge. The world has to see the twinkle in your eye. If anybody cares about saying anything to anyone, you always want to start a conversation talking to the person about what? What they're interested in. You want to find their interest. You want to find their passion. And you know when you do, because it's very obvious, they quit thinking about what they're talking about, and it just comes out of them. And you're convinced. You're convinced in the value of this thing. Rob sometimes, being a loving boss and a loving, a loving brother, Rob would sometimes, in the years that I've worked with him, set me up with meat questions. He'd say, he'd say, so Matt, what, what's kind of the best cut for uh, barbecuing? And then I would just go off on him with the twinkle and then I would say at the end thank you Rob for throwing that lob over the plate for me I know you were blessing me with this thing that I'm just so excited about unsaved people need to see the excitement in our relationship with Jesus before anything even before you living a squeaky clean, sinless, non-hypocritical life, they need to see the passion. And we can't fake the passion. 
This is the only reason we can do anything. Especially anything that lasts. And it needs to come from knowing him. From knowing him intimately. And there's nothing off limits here. You can bring any of this to your prayer time. Jesus, would you help me to know what you smell like? Think he's pleased by something like that? Like, do you think he's pleased by that? That's amazing. If, if we could tell what Jesus smelt like, it would wreck roast beef forever. It would be just gone. It'd be gone. What does it sound like when you enter the room? Are you a hard stepper? Are you a soft stepper? Like, what's happening? This is what the world needs. If you think I'm talking crazy, if you think I'm not making any sense, well, uh, they need to know how many verses I've known or how much of the Bible I've read or if I can even say how many books are in the Bible. They don't need to know that. They need to see the love that comes out when you talk about them. The hope. This is all they need. They'll be all ears once you tell them. It's amazing. These are rather disjointed, so I'm just going to keep going. But that's where we start. It has to be just this passion and knowledge and enjoyment with the Lord. It, it, it just has to be there. Especially for this part. And this is a beautiful thing. Romans 10 is a beautiful thing because it, it's kind of the, the great peacemaker of, you know, belief systems about do we preach to people, don't we preach to people, does God just pick which people he wants. This is what Paul says in Romans 10. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This, this second way is, is we want to have beautiful feet. I'm saying this spiritually because I don't even like saying it physically at all. Because because those things are not what I think are beautiful. Some people do. Some people think they're cute. Some people think they're kind of funny and individualistic. And that's all great. And then they take pictures of them. That's, that's, that's wonderful. But no, 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 no. I knew a guy. I knew a guy when I told him this really intimate information about myself that I didn't really love feed. He took it upon himself to print out six pictures. I think he googled worst feet imaginable. And he got six pictures of it, put it on a nice little paper, 
and put it in my church mailbox. And I think that's why the church mailboxes are still gone. I just burned that whole thing up. You know, I, I wouldn't even take up another foot picture for one piece of fruit, right? I wouldn't even do it. But the Bible says the feet of those carrying the good news are beautiful. And there's a couple of things to, to love in all of this. The first is that Paul is telling everybody, it doesn't matter how people hear. People need to hear. The world needs to hear. Especially if you can say it with that twinkle in your eye. The world needs to hear. They need to be preached to. And that can look very different. It doesn't have to look like you're on the street corner arguing with everybody. As some people believe it does. This is what he's referencing. Isaiah says it just a little bit more. In Isaiah 52. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Who publishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness. Who publishes salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now, I'm pretty sure God isn't trying to point out that the best part of everyone is the feet. And that's all I'm looking at. The Bible uses little body parts, hands, arms, to talk about something further. And it's safe to assume in these two passages, the Bible is saying, those that carry, those that travel, those that go with the good news, their journey is beautiful. And again, it's got nothing to do with how stylish you can walk. Doesn't matter if you got a good natural rhythm in your gait. It doesn't matter if you stumble. It doesn't matter if you're a fast walker or a slow walker. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you as a jar of clay, not special at all, except that you are a wonderful, beautiful child of God and you carry beautiful good news. You bring it with you. It's in your backpack. It's in your carry-on. This is what Pastor Dave was saying a few years ago. I think it was still in the old building. And he kept poking people about it. He was saying, what if Jesus was your mechanic? Do you remember that? What if Jesus was your school teacher? What if Jesus was your mechanic? And what he was saying was, What if the love of God, that twinkle in your eye, that intimacy that you know and cherish and take everywhere you go, what if that was meant to travel and everyone was meant to experience Jesus in real time in every place? What if church became less about, I got to get filled up, I got another week of holding my breath before I come back, Take a huge breath. Got to go out again. And and what if Sunday was about us celebrating all that God had done in the six days before that? How crazy would it get in here? It would get crazy. It'd be out of control. 
politics would be abolished. Gone. Positions would be outed. Nobody would care about that stuff. Do you... We have it hard here, okay? We have it hard. There's hard announcements. Hard things going on. Everybody gets that? That kind of stuff would have no place in a church that simply wanted to celebrate God doing amazing, wonderful, glorious things in those six days. It wouldn't be here. There'd be no room for it. There'd be no heart for it. It would be yucky for people to try and ingest Everyone would be too worn out, too blessed out, too gloried out to even care about such things. I believe that. That's why I want to go. I want to have stories to tell. I know people in encounter. Disjointed number three. Corinthians has a ton of stuff, just a ton of beautiful stuff about workplaces, ministry, missions, all that great stuff. It's just there. This is who we are. Okay? How we get there is we we glory in Jesus in real time. We smell him, we taste him, we feel him, we hear him, we know him. And we bring that with us. We go to bring the good news and God thinks it's a beautiful thing that we do. It's the news. It's beautiful good news and it's for the world. We need to have this this concern for people. And this is one of our major roles. As an ambassador that reconciles God and the world. That brings them back together. That cuts through the divide. That abolishes this, he's not available for me. Or God's too hurtful. Or God's too abusive. Or I can never trust a God like that. A father? I can never trust a father. Our job is to bring that back together, to reconcile, to say, guess what? God's not done with you yet. Because I'm here and you're here. Anytime somebody would come into the church... No matter how hopeless, I would try to say to them, and it wasn't every time, God's doing something in your life because you're here and you're sitting with a Christian, not a perfect Christian, not always even a model Christian, but you're sitting with a Christian. God is not done with you yet. He wants to bring you back to him. All this is from God. This is 2 Corinthians 5. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Wow, that's crazy. I like I read that a few times. Who's missing meaning in their life? Who thinks their life is just kind of blah? 
get up, diapers, kids, take a nap, kids, homework, supper, ugh. The Bible, which is true all the way through it, even the hard stuff says the way that God wants to bring people who are currently in rebellion waiting to die back to himself that was so worth it that he he gave Jesus his own son. The Bible says he does that by, by you. His mission of reconciliation to himself at the expense of his son is by, is by you. It, it's by me. Is this a heavy thing? Is this a, yeah, I mean, that's good. That's good. Is this a lot of pressure? How do you feel when you hear this? You don't have to answer, but do a little self-diagnosis. How do I feel when I hear that Jesus died and the way that he's bringing all of his bride back to himself is through his people. Like, like that's going to get you up in the morning. That's going to give you purpose. That's going to take all the blah out of everything. No, like, I think everyone in their masks is like going like this. But with the mask, you can't see the head nodding, right? These masks are amazing. It's almost like nobody has a head. So incredible. They're brutal. I'm just kidding, but I'm enjoying the freedom here. God, like, wow. Nothing is meaningless. If this is true, not one thing you do not if you hate all your classmates not if you hate the school you go to not if you don't know what to do after graduation because every day that you're alive and you are still considering yourself a person who follows Jesus he has entrusted to you his very purpose of everything his whole purpose in all the world was to reconcile people to himself enter sin enter rebellion enter free choice enter kings enter idols enter rules enter sacrifices enter jesus yes this is the purpose i'm going to take a people who are a hundred billion miles away from me in every sense. And I'm going to do all the work to bring them back to me. Because I love them that much. And the Bible says, it's right here. That part might have been cut off. Was it? No. God making his appeal through us. It's the final argument. Be reconciled to God. And so I can do that here. But I want to walk that out there.
Disjointed point number four. I'm enjoying this disjointedness. Don't get too triggered by the stuff at the top. Just, it's going to be okay. I've given you no thoughts that I'm going there. And so it's going to be okay. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. This is just a wonderful promise for us. Wonderful command. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So this is further cementing this idea that anything we do is valuable. Because number one, we get to do it as ambassadors. Where God is actually fulfilling his mandate of saving the world in real time. And number two, God saves us from any sort of workplace strife. I saw two hands, because Rob wasn't here, go up that were paid by the church. Okay, That means that all the rest of you guys have other bosses, other co-workers, ever classmates, groups of friends. And nothing is pointless in there. Because every friendship, as a believer, every friendship, every dialogue... Every encounter, every sweeping of the floor, every paper that doesn't make any sense, every class project where only one or two of them are helping, the other ones are just coasting, that's really annoying. I was in college, I'm I'm the oldest college person ever, and that's even true in college, all right? Even in SBC, which is God's college, right? Right? Is that too much? No, that's not too much. It's my final sermon. And I'll say that every time I please, if I say something. Where am I? Yes. Everything that God calls us to do is worship to Him. We had a whole course two or three years ago called Work is Worship. It was done by Right Now Media. There was a few of us that went. It was the best pulled pork I ever had. Ever. Throwing that down. Ever. Okay? And I've had a lot. Right? What? (laughs) I've had a lot. Okay? You have to. If you're a butcher, you have to eat a lot of pork. This whole this whole course, it was eight hours on on giving all of your time at work to the Lord. On every opportunity, on every relationship. Every project, every bit of our timetables, every bit of our schedule, how we rest, how we take a break, how we work overtime. All of it meant to please the Lord. All of it summed up as unto the Lord. I am so excited 
to slash through glorious carcasses unto the Lord. It's a heart posture. And it's super exciting. You guys get to leave today. And only the few lucky ones get to come back on Tuesday. And you get to dedicate every single minute of effort to God in worship. Right? Just, just another plug for Sundays. We can worship so hard in our work that Sundays can kind of be like, yeah, this is awesome. It's good that there's more people, but like I've done a lot of that. I'm ready to like serve someone or pray for them or like I'm, I'm feeling kind of filled up right now. How many of us, how many of us come to church filled up? Yeah, there's some. There's some. You know what? I'm half time and I already don't feel filled up. So I get it. It is hard being a Christian. It is really hard. Because the rest of our world, if you don't work at the church and you can just worship God all day. The rest of the world is pulling from that. Every chance they get. Your friends are pulling from it. Your family is pulling from it. Right? They are. Your co-workers, your boss, your timelines, your projects. Everything is pulling from us being full of God. And the Bible is saying we can take a heart posture and worship Him all day in everything. That is extremely generous of God. To put it kind of matter of fact. God is extremely generous in how easy he makes it for us to minister and be ministered to by him. He is really generous. All you have to do is devote everything to him. That actually sounds a little bit hard when I said it. Right? But... He's asking for our hearts. If your heart is right, everything that you do counts to blessing God. And all this other stuff that I'm gonna that I've talked about, it's just gonna pour out of you. This jointed point number five. And this is the easiest one. Okay, if the other ones weren't very easy, this is the easiest one. Okay? Let's read it together and then I'll, I'll tell you why it's the easiest one. This is the easiest and most important one. It goes like this. Matthew 5. You, I, are the light of... Of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is amazing. This is the best one and it's the easiest one and it's the most effective one. I I just said God was generous. God is saying, just be my child. And then go out and let people see you. This is a result of every other passage. This is a result of of everything in the Bible. This is the fruit. The easiest thing for a a healthy tree to produce is fruit. It's the easiest thing. The first thing to go in an unhealthy tree is fruit. They will stop producing. But if you are a healthy tree with healthy roots planted in a nice, shady, healthy spot in the yard with good black soil, you will produce the fruit that you were made for. Fruit trees simply do what they were made for. And God has made all of us to be a light. Not to try and be a light, not to, not to fake it till we make it to be a light, not to study really hard to be a light, but to be in relationship with him and then just own it. We just have to own it. We just have to be willing to be there, around. Light will naturally... Push back the darkness. And it's really effective. You turn all the lights off. You put something huge over that stuff. And we're all in the dark. And you turn one cell phone on. And and it's going to make a huge difference. And it's going to wash over all the people around you. And then somebody else gets the idea and goes, you know, I'm just going to do that. Somebody else goes, that's, that's a great idea. That seemed really effective. All those six or seven people around them seem really happy that they turned their cell phone light on. I, I'm going to do that too. And they turn that light on. And, and before long, you have little pockets of light that have all pushed back. The darkness washing over them. And the light was just being the light. The darkness is meant to flee from the light. Darkness doesn't overtake light. Light overtakes darkness. And do we live in a world that needs it a little bit lighter? If every business... I'm... Here's why I'm going. I'm going to be the lead pastor of Unger Meats in Mitchell, Manitoba. Am I on camera? Let me say that for everybody. That's why I'm going. And I'm going to be responsible for them. Those are going to be my people. And how they, going to, and how they do is going to be my responsibility. Because I'm going there as the light. 
Now, how good would it be if we all got up and said, yeah, I could do that. I could just be me. I can just allow the fruit of the goodness of God in me to be seen by somebody else. I can do that. And pockets begin to erupt everywhere. Think of how many people would be blessed just by being there. Just by showing up to work. If every business had a Christian that was fully resolved to say, I'm going to be as bright as I can today. If every business had that, their whole business would feel it. All across, every text, every email, every meeting. And you don't even have to preach. You just got to bring that twinkle. You got to bring that ambassador mindset. You got to bring that desire to care for them. That's where I'm going. I'm really excited. I'm really sad. Really sad. And I kind of flip-flop. Because I just think you guys are the best. And people I work with are the godliest people I've ever met. Ever. And it's like going to spoil me for everyone because they're just great. We're going to get the band up. No, I stopped you. We're going to get the band up. We're not doing big things today. We're not, you know, young people can already open their heart for Jesus to come and fill them. Here's just one more reason why God is so generous. He's so, 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 so generous. It's ridiculous. It's this. God will do all the work if you just Say yes. He'll do everything. If any of these passages, if anything that I said, put anything in your heart that that maybe that applies to me too. He is so generous, you just have to own that to him. That's it. You don't have to tell anybody, although I think you should. You don't have to stand up and do some declaration, although I think you should. Because God really gets generous when we're humble. Man, he gets generous. He starts throwing second pieces out left, right, and center. He doesn't even care. He doesn't care about bedtime. He doesn't care about sugar. He doesn't care about calories. He just gets crazy generous. We're meant to shine. We're meant to be really dangerous to the darkness. Really, really dangerous. And all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is say yes. It's so crazy. All we have to do is get up in the morning and say, yeah, God, I'm your guy. That's literally all. That's, that's all. 
98% of us in this room get to go out and get to live God to a world who's literally eating itself up. Our world is lost. It's totally lost. And there is no sense in anything. Each one of you guys are lights that can immediately change your sphere. Immediately. You get in the car, you turn it on, you say, God, I'm your guy today. I'm your girl today. I'm on mission today. I'm your double agent today. I sure look like the world, but they haven't seen my eye yet. I'm going to look at people... And things are going to move inside of them. Because God's filming. It's going to get crazy. This is for all of us. This is all of us. The band is going to bring us into worship. We got God's ear. This is his only agenda. This is his only mission. You think he's not going to give you everything you need? We have lots of dumb prayers. This is not one. Your whole life is going to change, but you're going to see God. That's what we're made for. Father, we give you this time. And I ask that you would, you would press down. Where we need to be convicted. Where we need to be encouraged. Lord, Lord you just... You're so positive. You don't even tell us we're bad or failing. You just you pump us up to go do something. Or would you pump us up today to be on mission in every every avenue? We want to see God. Amen. Why don't we stand together and worship in closing response?